a fortunate foreigner. This week I had uh, the chance to have dinner with a couple from Scotland. And I spent most of the night just listening and, you know, keep talking. Just, I just want to hear the accent, you know. But he, he shared his experience growing up in Scotland, in the United Kingdom. There's always been this hostility between, like, Catholics and Protestants. And he went to a Catholic school, and so they were actually given holy days off, which is pretty cool. But they would still go to Mass, so he would leave his house... And he'd head to the church, but he'd walk right by the Protestant school. And when he did that, maybe because he was Catholic or maybe because these are kids and you got off school and we didn't, but they would throw rocks at him, like literally. And, and he said, I just kind of couldn't wait to get out of there. I still went to church, but it just made it really hard. But today, you see this man whose faith is firm, that that through the school of hard knocks, that through that persecution, th through feeling like a foreigner in his own town, like unwanted, that his faith actually was able to grow stronger. And now he, he's lived all over the world, and now he lives down in Phoenix. And he says he feels so fortunate. And he's like, I'm not even, I'm not American, but I love it here, and I feel so fortunate to be here. In our first reading from 2 Kings, Naaman was this foreign army commander who has leprosy. Leprosy is, is a disease where you, your skin and your limbs kind of, they basically die. And so your whole body, you're just watching your, your body die in front of you. And he's willing to do anything. And so the prophet Elisha says, well, go, go wash in the river Jordan seven times. And at first, we don't, we don't see this beforehand, but if you read before in the story, he's like, why? Like, there's better rivers than that. Why would you make me do that? Which is kind of a way of saying, you know, if, like if I told you that, you know, what you need to do is go barefoot and hike to the top of Mount Humphreys, there's people who would do that. Like, you're, we want to do like this big thing, but to go wash in the river, it's like doing something ordinary, like coming to Mass or... It's like, no, I want to do something big so that God will work. It's like, no, God works in the ordinary. And so by being faithful and doing what is asked of him, he experiences new life. We, we also see in this the symbolism of, of baptism, right? That Jesus goes into the River Jordan, makes the waters holy for us. But through the waters of baptism, you and I, we, we pass from death to new life. And this is a foreshadowing of that. And so we see this proclamation of faith after this, that here's this foreigner who listens to what God asks him to do and becomes very fortunate. And he says, Now I know that there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. And it's almost kind of Jesus you know, or this is before Jesus. In the Old Testament, this, they're given this example to say that look at this outsider who actually listens to God, and there's a whole lot of insiders who aren't listening. But you and I, we who have been invited in, like we, we have the grace of the sacraments, that this number of seven, to, to dunk seven times in the water, seven is the number of the covenant, 
the reminder that God is faithful, that God is acting. And whenever you and I come to the seven sacraments, it reminds us God is faithful and God is guaranteed to act. Like today, at this Mass, in the confessional, just in any of the sacraments, God wants to work. And he calls all of us, including the people who feel like foreigners, even the, the word in our psalm today, nations, it refers not to like the Canadians and the Mexicans. You know, like it's, it's referring to people who feel not included. And I know every, I'm guessing that it seems like at every mass, there's always even people here that come who still feel kind of not included. That even in, in our own Catholic church, they're like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like Catholic enough or, or um, hardcore or something. But the truth is that those are the ones that Jesus is reaching out to even more. That when I feel off or not good enough, that Jesus shows his desire is to reach out to us more than anyone. And he does. In, in the gospel today, Jesus is walking in Samaria and Galilee, which is kind of the out there area. And he encounters these ten lepers. And he asks them to go and show themselves to the priest, which is it's a way of saying the priest is the one who can declare you clean to enter back into the community. And so they go off, and one of them, they're all clean, cleansed, one of them returns to Jesus, who is the great high priest. And Jesus uses him as an example. Here's a Samaritan in Samaria, and Jesus calls him a foreigner. No, no Jesus, he's, he's from this area. Like, this is where he's from. But Jesus is making a point, perhaps, that that even here in his homeland, that this isn't his homeland. That, that for all of us, we were made for heaven. That that is where our citizenship is. That this is for a time. And sometimes when things are difficult, it actually makes it easier to remember that. Um, like, like when school's going really bad, don't you remember and say, I wasn't made to be in school forever, you know? Like, I'm made for somewhere better than this. Like, but there's other people who are like, you know, I like college. I think I'll stay for a few extra rounds, you know? Like, there's something about when we're comfortable, when, when things are easy, like we can just forget about the big picture. That, that for all of us, we're here for a time but that our ultimate home is, is in heaven. It's, it's calling us. But there, there's been times, even in our own country here, that there's been persecution. Someone reminded me, too, that it used to be when the Irish first started coming over, there were signs outside of businesses that said, Irish need not apply. They're Irish and they're Catholic, and we don't want those, because America was founded as a, as a Protestant country. And, but I think even in our own time, that there's this subtle annoyance with Catholicism, that Catholics are the ones that remind us that all life has value, no matter how small, no matter how close to death, that the person still has intrinsic dignity. Catholics are the ones who stand up and, and talk about the goodness of the human person, 
male and female, the, the goodness of, of marriage and how children have a right to know their biological mother and father, the, the goodness of the, the immigrant or the politician or anybody, that these are human persons that we treat with respect and that, that, that there's, even, I mean, I don't, I've heard story after story of, of just classroom examples where when, if you're Catholic, if you're faithfully Catholic, like people are like, oh, really? You believe that stuff? Have, have you experienced that? You know what I'm talking about? Like it's, like it's, it's like this temptation to be like, well, I know I'm Catholic too, but I mean like, I'm not like that Catholic. And, and what happens is when we, that we can feel like foreigners even in our own land. But I, my proposal tonight is maybe that's not always a bad thing. Because when I see studies, and there are studies out there, and they'll say, like, here's some surveys of, you know, that, that Catholics act just like everybody else. Catholics live together before they're married. Catholics contracept. Catholics have abortions. Like, Catholics do as much as everyone else, and it's like, wow, we're not, we're not really standing out much. We're not really standing up for what's true and good and what we believe in, that it's so easy just to fit in. It's so easy to forget the big picture. And that's why we do things as a church. You know, we fast on Fridays and Lent and Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. And those are things that people mock, you know, Catholics, oh yeah, the fish eaters. But... But perhaps it's not a bad thing. I mean, I don't, I'm a people pleaser. I like it when people like me. Um, but I, I think it, there's a tendency within me to even feel comfortable. You know, to think that, okay, the purpose of life is to avoid suffering and to save up and buy a house as soon as possible and to be successful and well-liked and have money. Like, that, that lasts for a time. But we were made for eternity. Today we celebrate something that's, that's pretty powerful. We, that, that we are Holy Trinity Catholic Newman Center, and today, Newman, Newman, uh, John Henry Cardinal Newman, uh, was, we used to call him blessed, but as of a few hours ago, in Rome, Pope Francis declared and recognized that God has brought him to heaven, so now we will call him Saint John Henry Cardinal Newman, which is a pretty big deal. Um, and I want to tell you a little bit about his life and why that is relevant for us, why we're even called Newman Center. So Newman was born in, in London, England in 1801, and when he was young, he experienced this conversion at 15, and he said this about it. He said, I am more certain of God, God's existence than that I have hands and feet. I am more certain that God exists than that I have hands and feet. But his conversion was with um, Calvinism, and then eventually he became Anglican, and he was made a priest, and he was actually pretty anti-Catholic. But he, he set out with a bunch of other people at Oxford where he taught to prove that the Anglican Church, the Church of England, is the true church. And so what they did was they, they started this thing called the Oxford Movement, that's what we call it, that they, they would bring up these old documents 
of the early church fathers, the first few centuries of Christianity. And so he sat down, he said, I'm going to write the true history of the true church. And when he finished, he said, now that I have studied the true church, I have no choice but to become Roman Catholic. That he said, he's quoted as saying, to be steeped in history is to cease to be Protestant. Because our beliefs have been there from the beginning, and yet the Holy Spirit and the apostles have guided things, and there's been this beautiful like developing and flowering of like, imagine like a young tree, and as it grows, it becomes bigger and stronger. It's like this, this huge pine tree out here that's probably like 300 years old. Like it, it responds to the seasons and the times, and it just grows and becomes stronger and more beautiful and fuller. That that's what our, our beliefs, our teachings, our doctrine, it, it develops and grows. But if you came by here 200 years ago, you'd see the same tree in its seminal form, in its infancy, but it just grows. And so he recognized the, the Catholic Church in that, in the continuous same church. Does that, does that kind of make sense? Um, and so he made the decision to become Catholic. But the problem is that that was his, it just ruined his career because even kind of now, to be honest, but, but especially at that time, you could not hold an office and be Catholic. And so he was immediately kicked out of the university. If you believe those things, like, you're crazy. Like, those are, that's dumb. And so all his peers, they kicked him out. And so, but he wanted to stay there. So now, now he feels like a foreigner in his own city, his own state, his own country, that, that they started this house of studies for Catholics for Catholics to pray and grow in the intellectual life right next to Oxford. And so the Newman Center movement is to start a house of prayer and study right next to the universities, where Catholics can go to grow in faith, to learn, to engage the university in intellectual thought. There's a lot of people that don't think we have much to offer. There was a, there's a girl, uh, one of the students here, on campus, she told me this week, she said, Father, I'm writing a 20-page paper on why contraception is not good for women. I was like, oh, okay. And, and she said, I went to talk to the health promotions lady that's in charge, and I said, Do you, did you know that Deborah Provera is actually illegal to give to animals because of the harm it does, and yet we put that in women? And she said, and then I told her, did you know that the pill is a level one carcinogenic from the world as identified by the World Health Organization. And she's like, and then the lady said, I, I didn't know that. And she's like, okay, I'll be back next week with more information. <laughs> so what's beautiful about being Catholic is that it's true. And that we stand on the truth and we're not afraid of any question or any scrutiny. Now, we ourselves are sinners, but what we stand on, what's been given to us, is it's true. We have, we have logic. We have reason. We have philosophy. We believe in science. We, we believe in all sorts of these things that we have nothing to be afraid of because it's the same God who does all this. And, and Newman recognized that, that the more he studied, the more he learned, the more he, he is and was Catholic. But once he was kicked out of the university, he took some time to go pray. He spent two years just praying and studying 
And, and later on in his life, he was made a cardinal, so he was kind of vindicated a little bit by the Catholic Church. And he took it as his motto, cor ad cor locitor, which means heart speaks to heart. That, that even though he was so intellectual that, that his mind and truth led him to the faith, that at the heart of our faith is a relationship with a God who speaks to our hearts. And it was his heart and his conscience that led him to stick to what is true even when everyone around him was against him. I think that's a good role model for us here on this campus, that we're invited to know the Lord heart to heart. We're invited to, to form our conscience according to what is true and good and to stay faithful to that even if the whole world goes crazy around us. That's what we're called to because we're not made to be here for long. That we're, we're called to, to grow and to change, to become more like Christ on our way to heaven. One of the quotes I love Newman said is, to live is to change, to be perfect is to have changed often. To live is to change, to become perfect, to be perfect is to have changed often. That you and I are called to change. We're called to conform ourselves to Christ. I'll finish with this quote from St. Paul, Philippians 3. He says, Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we also await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will change our lowly body to conform with his glorified body by the power that enables him also to bring all things into subjection to himself. And so by his grace, by his patience and continual working on us, may we who are foreigners here one day be welcomed into heaven if we are so fortunate.